everyone. For the next few weeks, we're going to be re-airing some of our favorite guest episodes. We'll be back with new episodes soon. Enjoy! Welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam. I'm an actor, a comedian, and a normal person. And I'm Daphne Yang. I'm a certified personal trainer, certified nutrition counselor, and the creator of Hit It, New York's ultimate high-intensity interval training workout. And before we get started, remember to talk to your doctor or your medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Um, Today is a very exciting episode, and we have, for the first time ever, two guests. Um, So I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about it afterwards. So join our mailing list so that you stay part of the conversation. You can do that um, from our website. Uh, there's a little place to put in your email, and then you're on our mailing list. We only email twice a month, and we include like tips and tricks from the podcast and links to interesting stuff. Um, so, you know, jump on it. It's going to be great. You'll love it. Jump on it. Jump on it. <laughs> Thank you, Daphne. <laughs> um, so, today's episode is called A Chat With Our Husbands. And so... Our guests are our husbands. Yay! Is it weird for you that I can now say our husbands? It is, actually. Yeah, it, it, it's still taking me a little bit of time getting used to being a wife. Yeah. Like, that sounds so different. I got used and to saying husband much faster than I did to calling myself a wife. Yeah, yeah. Like, Stuart's in my phone right now as husband. It should be hot husband, but. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's in mine as Matt, I C E. Because I'm very practical in case of emergency. Oh my god! So that if I like pass out and I have to like stick my finger on my phone to open it, they know who to call. That is so great. Yeah, you know my older sister, her husband is in her phone just as emergency. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that way he knows she'll always pick up his calls. Yeah. Um, So uh, let's. Shall we let our husbands introduce themselves? Do you want to go first? Sure. I should point it at Stuart. Stuart, would you like to introduce yourself? Um. Sure. My name is uh, Stuart. I'm Daphne's husband as of October the 28th, 2016. Yay! Yeah. Joanna and Matt were there. We were. It was a lot they of fun. They were witnesses. Eating donuts. It was great. Eating donuts, drinking wine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, oh, I'm going to get him right as he's <laughs> drinking whiskey. We should say we don't normally drink during our episodes, but our husbands were are new to this, and so we allowed drinking... <laughs> During the recording process. Very important. Um, important. Um, My dear, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. uh, I'm Matt. I'm Joanna's husband. I was trying to think of how I should introduce myself, and it's like, maybe I should be the normal person-in-law. Oh, that's cute. That's that's the best I came up with on the spot. That's so cute. It might put undue pressure on Stuart. True. Because then that makes yeah. Stuart He's a personal, yeah, trainer, a personal trainer and I am not a personal trainer at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so the reason that we wanted to do an episode with our spouses is that um, something that uh, I have definitely noticed and I think is a common phenomenon is that um, issues of uh, health and diet and nutrition and exercise. Um, all change when you're sharing your life with someone on a more permanent basis, whether that's um, just a long-term relationship or whether it's someone you live with or whether it is a marriage. Um, And there are lots of ways that it can affect those things, both uh, in 
positive ways and maybe some negative ways, or at least complicated ways. So I thought that it would be unfair to talk about those things without our <laughs> other halves being able to be part of the discussion. To defend themselves. I know, because usually <laughs> we tell stories about them and they can't defend themselves. Uh, and then I just hear Matt like come home from his commute and be like, hey, that thing you said about me. <laughs> um, so we thought we'd uh, let you speak for yourselves today for once. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the first, sort of to get like a baseline, because there is another, because we are both um, heterosexual couples, there is another difference uh, within each couple, which is the experience of being male in this world versus being female in this world. So I thought we would start in like the pre-relationship days um, and just say sort of like baseline, like what was your relationship to fitness, nutrition, that whole world before you were dating your now wife. Um, and maybe it might be helpful to say what age you were because that might affect Matt's answer. Right. <laughs> Do you want to go yeah, first? Yeah, the time before I was dating my wife was 17 years. Aww, <laughs> so, yeah. so cute. But that's a long time for me to yeah establish my own health and fitness life. Um, yeah, I think like when I was a kid... I played a lot of sports, which feels weird to say now because I play exactly zero sports now. <laughs> um, you play a lot of rocket cars on the computer. That's right. Yeah, I don't think that counts. You're exercising your thumbs. Exercising my thumbs. Um, but yeah, like I played basketball and baseball and soccer. And that all just kind of trailed off by the time I got to like junior high. Um, and I honestly like didn't have much of a like fitness practice between junior high and like now <laughs> yeah like high school I didn't play any sports um and I like you know rode my bike and stuff but I I think I just yeah like I didn't have a lot of like inbuilt exercise um going on uh so yeah I feel like um not to skip ahead but I feel like I'm sort of coming back to fitness and like how to how to like think about myself as a fit person as an adult now, um, without having a lot of like, you know, I feel like some people get into habits from playing sports in high school or from like, you know, being active runners or whatever earlier in, in their lives. And I didn't really have that. Um, credit goes to my parents who are not like as adults are not super sporty people, but they definitely like put me in all the sports when I was a kid, but I just kind of, just kind of lost interest, I guess, by the time I was in junior high. Um, Despite the fact that I, by the time I was in high school, I was already like six foot eight, so I would have made a great basketball player. But <laughs> but our basketball team was actually good. So yeah, even though was, you were super tall, I don't think you would have made the varsity team. Exactly. Like I, I had already, <laughs> I'd already taken a few too many years off where I was like way behind the pack. So yeah. But um, but then nutrition wise, I think um, I feel fortunate to be from a house where both of my parents cook. Um, and particularly, I think like when I was, when I was growing up and especially later in my growing up years, my dad did most of the cooking in our house. And so I think that I feel lucky to have had that as sort of like a establishing kind of male role model situation where it's like, oh, like, yeah, totally normal for me to be interested in cooking. Um, and while it like took me a while to sort of come into doing a lot of cooking myself, it sort of felt like a more natural thing. Um, 
yeah, so that's kind of my my basis, I think. What about you, Stuart? Well, I met Daphne when I was 24, I think. I was 24. And so I had already developed a lot of habits around fitness and nutrition uh, growing up. I grew up in England. and uh, Really? <laughs> yeah. Yep. And the only sport I really played seriously was golf. Um, so, you know, I participated in a lot of other sports you know football or soccer cricket rugby but I was no good at any of them um so focused on golf and moved to the uh United States to play golf in college and then yeah we should stop here and say like Stuart is very good at golf like right he's like an actual athlete yeah (laughs) well yeah if you class uh golfers as athletes 100 (laughs) percent um but then I moved to New York after college and came uh up here and really my relationship with fitness outside of golf was nothing. Uh, nutritionally, I didn't really think about any food or macro nutrients or <laughs> any, any specific diet or anything like that. Um, and then when I was in college, I was diagnosed with uh, Crohn's disease, uh, which is you know, a, kind of an IBD disease where it really kind of limits what you can and can't eat. And has a big impact on you physically and mentally. So that's when I really started to um, develop a relationship with the kind of food that I was putting in my body, how to cook, and also kind of life after golf or life life after competitive golf. Um, And that's when I met Daphne. And actually, we met in a kind of unique circumstance, I think, because we met doing the thing that I was worst at in my life which was running (laughs) and one of the things that Daphne is best at which is coaching so we met uh, on a half marathon training team for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America I was raising money uh, for the charity Daphne was coaching us all to get through a half marathon I needed a lot of coaching so uh, (laughs) I was very happy to go to the, the training runs Oh, training run. I only went to one, the last one, because <laughs> um, I hated running that much. Uh, but then after that, you know, my relationship with food and nutrition in general and physical activity, I guess, really has kind of come a long way since then. Well, so it's, I, I am uh, going to judge this by the fact that it was omitted from either of your stories, but correct me if I'm wrong. But one thing that I think was pretty different from both of your stories than it would be from Daphne's or mine or just about any other American woman is um, neither of you talked about feeling like pressure to gain or lose weight as young people. Was that um, part of your consciousness? It's funny. I think because I sort of dropped out of sports at such an early age, I just like, like, I think that that thing was there in high school. Like there were definitely guys that were like in the weight room, you know, every day. And that was, there was like a culture of that, but I was just such a non-combatant in that. World. <laughs> I was like, no, nope, not worried about it. It's fine. And I'll go do my own thing. And, you know, yeah. Play video games in the basement and stuff. <laughs> did, you, did you ever have any self-consciousness about the, sh- the shape of your body? I asked particularly because you're so tall. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think like, I definitely like, like the puberty age for me, like I was just like, I had a huge growth spurt that you said that, it, like, that hurt and you like, to grow yeah, that right. Much. Yeah. When you grow as fast as I had to, I guess, to get as tall as I am, like your, <laughs> your skeleton is growing faster than your muscles are growing. So yeah, I would like wake up 
in the night with growing pains when I was a kid. And How stuff. old were you when your growth spurts were uh, happening? I remember that happening the most when I was like probably pretty young, like like nine and ten. Oh. Um, and then I did grow a lot in high school, but it, I think it was not quite that fast. Um, yeah, but there was definitely like, I mean, this is true for everybody, of course, but there was a super awkward phase like leading into junior high where I had like long hair and was like just gawky and <laughs> weirdly shaped and stuff. And like got people confused me for a girl because my hair was long. But you were like, like six <laughs> feet tall. Yeah, that's, that's the confusing part. Um, so yeah, there, there was definitely, <laughs> definitely moments where I was like, man, I need to, need to change something here. But. <laughs> but it wasn't necessarily like I need to gain weight or lose weight or yeah no I mean like I think like all teenage kids I had like I am like had a fantasy where I was like jacked or whatever but <laughs> it was just so it was so obviously like far off from anything that I was ever gonna actually do that it, it wasn't I don't think it was ever a real like day-to-day pressure where I was like I need to put on muscle or whatever yeah. Was it different for you because you were more involved in like a sport or is that not so um, much a thing with golf? Not so much a thing with golf. There's, there's plenty of fat golfers, especially, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, especially when I was growing up, you, you look at somebody like uh, Colin Montgomery, if you, you Google him, he's a pretty over, overweight guy. Um, so there was never really a pressure to put on muscle. Uh, me personally, I've, I, especially growing up, I held on to fat very, very well. Um, you know, and I kind of had funny looking teeth and I was a little chubby, a lot chubby. And so I guess I did feel a little bit of pressure to just not be so kind of chubby rather than be jacked. I never thought about being jacked. I just wanted to not be fat, I suppose. I think a lot of, um, it's clearer for women, I think, what you're supposed to want, which is to be as skinny as possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas for dudes, I think it often comes more as just like, I just know I don't want to be what I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> something's got to change here, like you said. But like, yeah. it's un- it's not always as clear. Like, culturally, there is not a clear message about what that's supposed to be necessarily. Whereas with women, it's like, lose as much weight as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think my education was around the whole idea of fat loss and muscle gain was completely backwards too. <laughs> so I never equated the idea of gaining muscle and losing fat as kind of you could, something you can do in the same time. I always thought I was going to try to lose a lot of fat. And then when I was really skinny and had no fat on me whatsoever, then I could start putting on muscle. Right. And, you know, so... Oh, that man. that doesn't. I've come a long way since then. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. hearing that, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have, you know, 14 year old Stuart. I should have been there. That's right. Yeah. I was saving sure. all my lunch money to go and hit golf balls, <laughs> or or eat like French fries. Delicious. Or cookies. Cookies. Um, so going back to the beginning of your relationship, I ask about it specifically because by the time you met. Fitness and nutrition was a huge part of Daphne's life, both personally and obviously professionally. And you met in the context of a physical activity where she was there in a professional context. Um, And so I'm curious what it was like in the early days of dating someone for whom that was a huge part of their life. It made her a lot more interesting, I think. Well, interesting straight off the bat uh, because she had a lot of priorities that I had never 
thought about being around, you know, actually scheduling workouts and thinking about what you put in your body. And these were all things that I was just kind of coming into myself. So it made the idea of being together as a couple, like really appealing straight away. It was like, oh, I can kind of learn and go through these new experiences with someone that already values these things straight away. And it was, it was really nice to kind of switch my own values to things that I had wanted to do, but had never really bothered doing. And then now you're involved with somebody that that's been a top priority of theirs for a very long time. And it's kind of second nature. So you can kind of, it's an extra you get little to push. Like draft off of sort of, yeah. It's like, a, it's a nice extra push to do the things that you know you want to do, but you've never really prioritized yourself. So Daphne, same question, but on the reverse, when you were first together, what was it like to like be start getting to know someone for for whom that was like a big gap at least to start out? So it yeah. was actually extremely refreshing for me to, <laughs> to be dating someone who wasn't a personal trainer. <laughs> certainly so wasn't. It was, so it was actually it was actually the complete reverse. I was um, for me it was extremely refreshing being with someone and dating someone who who prioritized other things um, and someone who I found extremely charismatic and humorous and someone who actually, I felt like their strengths were, and yeah, and when I met Stuart, I, I was immediate, I was very clearly like attracted to him. She thought I was him. Australian. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Hey, I was as long like, as it worked. <laughs> I was like, oh, where in Australia are you from? Oh no. Whoops. <laughs> London. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't place his accent like mm. the, the second I met him. And so, uh, but I learned, I mean, within a couple hours, I figured out he was, he was English, but, um, for me, uh, you know, the start of our dating process and I would say really the first year and, and even now what, like I said, I was immediately attracted to Stuart, but I was so stimulated from a cognitive perspective as well. I had never been with anyone who was quite as, as witty and, and charming and, and funny and just so, um, strong from a mental standpoint. So like a male version of me is what you're saying? (laughs) Stuart, you are a male English version of of Joanna. And that's that's why I loved you. (laughs) I've known Joanna much longer than I've known you. So I still remember when you guys met too. And Joanna, you were like, oh, this new guy you're dating. He's super cool. Mm -hmm. It was that rodeo bar. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rodeo bar no longer exists. Oh yes, I definitely. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago because I didn't know how. That's a 2012. Yes, I didn't know how seriously to take you at the time because Mm. not that Daphne was like dating a million people, but just like at that phase Mm. in your life, anyone your friends introduce you to could be around for two days or the rest of their life. Especially in New York. Yeah, especially in New York. So you like kind of never know. So everyone you have to treat like they could potentially be around forever but not get too attached. Right, right. Um, knew but that your relationship would outlast Rodeo Bar. <laughs> I thought Rodeo <laughs> Bar know. was forever. It, it, it might yeah. be the first one ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was, it definitely never, um, also the context in which we met, it was a race coaching organized. I was a race coach. Mm-hmm. And so um, I never felt any type of, and then very quickly within the first few months of us dating, it became this dynamic where it was Stuart and I who were kind of the mama and papa bear of this amazing organization, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. And so Stuart and I, we eventually became co-coaches very quickly. So Stuart went and got his, you know, CPR certification and I was able to help him with some, you know, 
race coaching, like booklets and stuff. And he was actually able to co-coach with, with me. I was still head coach in the sense that I was the one who has, we were co-coaches. We were co-coaches. We just say manager. We were co-coaches. Yeah. Yeah. But in the sense that, I mean, from an exercise science perspective, I was of course still the one manning the operation, but it was really great because we got to tag team the coaching experience. Everyone came to me for their running needs, um, but the runners were also able to go to Stuart for all of their Crohn's support. And all of a sudden they have two coaches, one who has been working professionally in this industry forever. And then they have another coach who actually has Crohn's disease and about 80% of the people who would sign up every season for team challenge, which is the race training component of the Crohn's and colitis foundation. All of a sudden they had a mama and papa bear. So I'm very proud to say within very quickly, a few months of us dating, Stuart was running faster way faster than me. So by the time we were co-coaching together, Stuart would run with the faster runners. And I mean, and it's also just, you know, Stuart's taller than I am too. So just from a a pace perspective, you know, I'm 5'4 and Stuart's 6'2". So... You guys have a. Uh, I, uh, did you giving. see that? Well, I was He's like, like Wait. that's generous. <laughs> generous six one maybe. And, six and six you, one and you and have, But so Stuart just naturally became very fast, and um, so he was able to run with the faster runners, and I was able to stay with kind of the the moderately paced runners and the, the slower runners and the walkers, and it was really great tag teaming this experience together. And then also, um, I mean, both of us, we, we worked out together all the time and we'd run together and I will say we'd this. go to the gym together. When we first met it, it's not very often that couples meet kind of coming at something from the complete opposite direction and automatically knowing something that you're strong at and something that you're weak at. And when I met Daphne, I met her in a very kind of emasculating sense you know <laughs> I had never really ran before I had signed up for this half marathon Daphne was very good at, at running and at coaching and she's very charismatic and kind of the leader like Joanna's seen for the better part of a decade mm-hmm. um, and kind of leading people through something so in my mind I was like oh this is a great place to meet somebody that really complemented the things that I wanted to have in my life because she was very overtly showing all of the things that, you know, I found attractive. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, this is great. All I need to do is learn how to run and <laughs> stay on my two feet. And then maybe I have a shot with Daphne. And plus, if she likes me enough to, you know, go out with me after seeing me, quote, unquote, run uh, slash walk, then, you know, I think I stand a decent chance of this. Um, so it was nice to, you know have everything kind of out on show straight away rather when, than when a lot of couples meet you're kind of on a level playing field and you kind of figure out what you're good and bad at uh, after the fact we kind of knew that straight away yeah well so my next question is for my own husband <laughs> um, which uh, has to do with the fact that we did start dating so young so when we got together I was 16 and you were 17 I think yeah yeah just, right. We were about to turn the next stage, but yeah. technically. It's like um, the song from The Sound of Music. It's true, except <laughs> it he's not exactly a Nazi. Like that. Right. Um, as far as you know. Otherwise. Anymore. <laughs> oh, no. Um, otherwise. You know uh, what she's talking about, right? Yes. Okay, good. good. <laughs> I, uh, sometimes Stuart doesn't you're get the, musical theater references. Uh, right, the sound musical of music is pretty broad. The, there's yeah. musical theater and then there's the sound of music. Yeah, okay. Like, that's I pretty, totally agree yeah. with you, Stuart. Excellent. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is that because we got together so young, 
Um, we sort of learned how to um, f- develop habits surrounding food and exercise, specifically cook. Like, we basically learned to cook together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought maybe you could talk a little bit about what that process was like from your point of view. Yeah, it's funny because, in a sense, we we went to different colleges and we were like across the or halfway across the country from each other you were at NYU and I was in Wisconsin and so in a sense we sort of like I sort of think about it like we met twice Mm, like we mm. you know we started dating in high school and then we spent almost five years living in different states and then I moved to New York and we didn't move in together right away but we were like you know in the same city finally and then eventually did move in together um and so it like you know thinking about myself and like like learning to cook and stuff i like i like to think that there was a brief period where i did more cooking than than you although that is certainly no longer true um when you were in college when i was in college yeah right yeah especially like i studied abroad one semester and that was like my learning to cook for myself for the first time experience i came to visit and you made me hash browns that's Aww. right. They were very fancy. With lardons. Lard yeah, right. Because it was wow. fancy bacon. It was fancy in- bacon. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's the nice thing about France is that I can just put bacon and hash browns and it seems fancy because everything has a good French name. Um, Lardons. Yeah, it was funny. Like, I moved to France and I was I rented a room from this, this woman um, who was, like, late middle-aged woman. I think her kids had moved out, so she, like, rented out her room. Sounds um, legit. And she was very, like, she had a certain, like, I think kind of motherly instinct towards me. And so she took me shopping for the first time. Like grocery um, shopping. Grocery shopping to, like, show me around the grocery store and stuff. And she, like, she, like, very diplomatically let me go off on my own. And I, like, wandered around totally lost in the grocery store. And when she found me, I was in the the aisle with, like, cans of ravioli in my hand. And she just <laughs> walked up and was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> she took them away and put them back on the shelf. Um so like I you know I sort of like learned just basic subsistence cooking at that point um and yeah but 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 then by the time that we were both in New York I think we had both kind of gone through that level um but then really like pretty early on started cooking together a lot even before we lived together I think we would often um yeah like cook at one or the other one of the other's place um like late at night because we never had a plan. So we would like both finish work and get together at like seven, decide what to eat, go to the store, yeah. come back. It took us forever to cook anything because we had no skills. We like regularly ate dinner at like 10 or 11. Yeah. yeah that's quite, quite consistent for a lot, a lot of couples though. That's a really good way to bond and get to know each other really well is through cooking because, you know, you have to do a lot when you're cooking. You have to be organized. You have to execute. You have to be patient. Kind of a lot of things that yeah. That's like the entire over. first year for us too. It was a lot of 10 p.m. dinners. Still is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think you know a lot of. I mean, I definitely credit you with uh, a lot of kind of the way we think about food now. I think we've both. I think we've both done a lot of thinking about our like food philosophy and like reading uh, stuff and you know obviously like your doing a podcast that isn't part about it <laughs> now. Um, but yeah, I think that I, I definitely, 
you know, a lot of the way that I think about food now comes out of stuff that I think you kind of led the charge on, like, you know, like being part of our CSA and stuff. Um, you know, a lot like our whole cooking life revolves around that now. Um, and so that's something that like, I don't know what my cooking lifestyle would be like if I was by myself, but I think it would be very different. Well, based on what you eat when I'm not at home. I've gotten much better. <laughs> for a while, it was exclusively egg sandwiches. Yeah. But then for a while, it was an entire frozen pizza. Mm-hmm. And these days, yeah. <laughs> Stuart's raising his hand, these days, it's usually more like pasta and sauce, mm-hmm. and sometimes you'll eat a salad. Yeah, it's still usually pretty lazy, but it's, it's more real food. You haven't made a quesadilla in That's true. Ages. Yeah, there was a, when I was in college, there was like a six-month period where I ate nothing but quesadillas. Cheese quesadillas? Yeah. 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 It's great. What other kind is there when you're yeah. 21? Yeah. yeah. That's it. Um, so you guys cooked together a lot when you were first getting to know each other, too. Yeah. We still do. Yeah. That's something I definitely picked up on after I had, I had surgery for my Crohn's disease in uh, December 2010. And then after that, I kind of was able to eat again. Like the lead up, the couple of years before that, I really didn't eat very much. Uh, anything I did eat wasn't particularly healthy, very processed, just to kind of get calories in. Do you want to and- do a quick um, blurb on what Crohn's disease is? Yeah, I actually sure. feel like I have so many questions. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so feel free to do a quick right. blurb. It has already occurred to me that I should have you back to do an episode specifically about it. So yeah, don't yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. you have to like explain no, everything there is. Sure. But like a little, little. Um, Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease where your body feels like it's being attacked, and it can happen anywhere from uh, your mouth all the way down to your butt, uh, anywhere in your digest digestive tract. And when the disease flares up, um, it's kind of like there's a lot, a lot of inflammation going on. So when you eat, you can't digest anything properly. So you feel very full when you haven't eaten anything or you get very intense stomach cramps, stomach pains. So you don't eat for a very long period of time. Most people lose a lot of weight when they're on it um, just because they'll have one meal for every, once a day, every other day. When I was at my like worst before my surgery, I was drinking half a Gatorade a day and that was about it. Um, I lost like 60 pounds. Um, wow. Yeah, so I kind of went from 190 down to 130. I think it, the lowest I ever went to was like 127. Uh, when you're just very unhealthy, very like nutrient deficient. So when I had surgery and we kind of took out the bad part of my digestive tract, I woke up very, very hungry because I hadn't really eaten in a very long time. And so there's just like this whole new world opened up to me being like, oh, I can try scallops and, you know, beef and this and that and all these other kinds of things. So I wanted to learn how to make them and kind of like Matt in France, like learn my way around a grocery store and get to know kind of the things that I could afford and make taste good. Um, so when Daphne and I met, I had already kind of been in the kind of inquisitive chef mind for a little while, but definitely being uh, with you has brought that out a lot because I use it as kind of a way to impress Daphne a little bit. I was like, she's very impressed. Uh, she's very easily impressed. I think. 
which is a very good. It was a very good thing for me um, because uh, the, the, the bar was kind of low because uh, you're not eating like protein cookies or something. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is how much were you cooking before you and Stuart were together? I always loved the idea of it. <laughs> because cooking in I, theory, and yeah, I, I grew up in the uh, in the like a lot of us in this like Food Network generation where you love cooking shows and you love watching them and you love them for the lifestyle and for the. Um, uh, That's Stuart pouring more whiskey. <laughs> this is like drunk history. This is, it's like we're doing drunk history. But um, and and I definitely cooked for myself. But the things I cooked for myself weren't anything. It was never anything that was too complicated or involved. It was like, um, you know, easy things. But I love food, and you know, I love food, and I love restaurants. And Stuart and I, our very first conversation at the brunch post training run that day that I met him, um, our very first conversation. Conversation. Stuart sat across from me. And our, our conversation was on our top five places to eat in New York City. So I would say, you know, my relationship leading up to Stuart with food was mostly, you know, being super into food, super foodie, loved the New York City restaurant scene, cooked for myself, but not anything fun. And then all of a sudden when we met, it was like, oh my gosh, so many date nights surrounding, um, you know, food and wine and cooking. And, and we like, like if we were going to do a date night on like a Thursday night all week, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we would like email recipes back and forth and just like figure out what we were going to make and be so excited for it. And we would, we would have bread and cheese and like apps and we would, we just ate so much. (laughs) We we did all the running for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And since we were running like eight miles every day for team challenge, but um, I would say my interest in chefery, <laughs> that's not a word, but like my, and so now you look at our bookcase and it's just all cookbooks and like some the what the biggest thing we bond over, I think is cooking. And I think the thing that we essentially nerd out over is cooking and food network chefs and other chefs and and um, experimenting with different things. And I think for me, there's a, I just love to eat it. But for Stuart, I think there's definitely a part where it stimulates him so much mentally. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, very it's meditative. just like, yeah. it's just like so cool to like that. And I think things. when you're cooking or like, I'm sure you guys can attest it to, you can't really do very many other things. So it's not like you can be cooking and checking Facebook at the same time or cooking and tweeting or even Instagramming. You <laughs> save the Instagram until after you've cooked. Um, so it's it's very nice to be able to do something with your significant other that your only focus is chopping an onion and, or chopping up carrots and you know that there's a big payoff at the end of it, you know, with this great, hopefully great meal. Then it's, it's nice to kind of just focus on one thing and not be distracted by the myriad of other things that you could be doing. But I want to know more about your CSA. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I think I think about what you just said a lot, which is like, and you've said this, I think, on the podcast before, but for us, like, our time cooking together is, like, one of our main times together, especially mm-hmm. since, you know, we both recently, like, started businesses and our schedules are kind of different because you often have stuff in the evening and I, you know, work during the day. Um, so, like, there are days where cooking time is, like, our main time that we spend together, so that's when we're, like, you know, talking about our days and like bonding about stuff or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think that's like, 
you know, there's, there's something about like the kitchen always feels to me like the like meeting place of the the house, and like that's where all the real business happens in every. In yeah, every thinking home. back on like some of the most important conversations we've had over the course of our relationship, many of them at least started in the kitchen. Yeah. Like I think when I told right. you that I wanted to quit my job, we were in the kitchen. Definitely. Uh, I think you've told me you wanted to quit various jobs when you were yeah. in the kitchen. Basically, if we want to keep our jobs, we should stay out of the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, that has become, like, a really key part of our relationship. Um, and one that I really like. Like, I've come to, like, I just feel much more at home when we're when we're cooking for ourselves and stuff. Like, you know, we go out and stuff, too. but But I think I feel more, like at peace with the world if we can cook you know there's a sense of accomplishment when you guys do something together yeah Mm -hmm. and you're like hey we made a thing right yeah it's great yeah and that's something that like you know we have many common interests but you know a lot of the stuff we do during the day is totally different but Mm -hmm. like cooking is a shared project Mm -hmm. that we always have which is Mm -hmm. great um you've always got to eat yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. Nearly constantly. Yeah. Well, and it's, then it becomes a conscious <laughs> choice, right? Yeah. Like, so you're like, I'm choosing to stay at home and learn how to more efficiently chop a bell pepper than just mm-hmm. like order something on Seamless. Right. Especially in New York when you have so many different options. You know, you can order pretty much anything from an office or from down the block and it will beat you to your apartment. Yeah. So choosing to set that time aside with your significant other and kind of go through... Um, the whole process because it, it really is a process mm-hmm. you know and it takes generally takes longer than ordering takeout does yeah. is yeah. is something really important i think well going back to the concept to the csa thing joining a csa is something i did at least in part with the intention of affecting our cooking lives together which was that um you know we joined one uh maybe about a year after you moved here mm-hmm. um And so I knew that we were like, you know, starting to learn how to cook and we were doing that together a lot. Um, And I wanted to learn to cook in a way that was focused more on plants Um, because like, even though we both grew up in households that like did everything they could to, you know, make us the healthiest home cooked meals possible, um, there, we grew up in Minnesota in the eighties and nineties when it was much more of like a meat and potatoes lifestyle. And I, I, I hesitate to, to say that because both of our sets of parents are like more adventurous than that. Mm-hmm. But My in some ways, vegetarian. And, right. So it's just potatoes. <laughs> right. Um, potatoes and potatoes. But you He's know, He's the vegetarian in Minnesota. Yes. The one. Yeah, the one. The one. Um, and so uh, I was like, if we're going to learn how to cook, I want to learn it based around vegetables, not at the expense of meat, but like mm-hmm. rather than just learning how to make a steak, Um, because then that's what we'll know how to do. And, um, it took a while, like our first couple CSA seasons, we ended up throwing out a lot of food because it went bad or making a lot of things that were like just okay, or maybe like weren't actually like the healthiest use of those vegetables. But we've now been CSA members every year since 2008, probably. Um, so that's like eight years of practice. And so now when we get our share, we can just look at a table full of vegetables and be like, okay, like we're going to make a frittata with these things. We know we need to use the lettuce right away. So we'll have a salad the first two nights. Like we, it is a process, but we have like part of the benefit of the CSA and doing it together is that like, we now know how to cook based on that way of 
eating, I guess, and yeah. procuring food, um, which I think I knew would happen when I signed us up for it, but I'm glad I was right. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys find yourselves eating more of uh, something specific than you would do otherwise through the CSA? I think we, I mean, definitely we eat a lot more greens than we would buy yeah. on our own. Kale, um, chard, spinach, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Partially because that's like some of the easiest stuff for the farm to do in a large volume. So they, so we end up with a lot. Especially at the beginning and the end of the season. Yeah. Where like there's not that much other stuff. Um, so yeah, I, it's definitely like, there, I think there's a certain part of it that activates the like game part of my brain where it's like, this is a challenge for us to mm-hmm. work through this stuff and we'll like come up with different strategies and it's like a fun, you know, riddle to figure out how we're going to use all the vegetables in a way that like we're not making the same thing every week, but you know, we're still going through everything. Um, There's an instant feedback loop too, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. like if you try something and it doesn't work, then you have, you literally have to eat your own cooking. Yes. <laughs> right? like you have to realize like, Oh, I made a mistake and this is what happened <laughs> next time. I'm going to try and evolve or fix. And then yeah. you kind of get to iterate uh, on, on things as you go along. Totally. Well, one time Matt made gnocchi, Mm, this yeah. was without me. That was rough times. I, I, yeah, I had. A, I think it was the recipe from the Mark Bittman cookbook, and he was like, two things can go wrong when you make this recipe. Either you will have too many. It's like potatoes and flour, basically, and it's like either too much potatoes and they'll fall apart, or too much flour and they'll taste like flour. But then mine just fell apart and tasted like flour. And I was like, well, <laughs> game over. So I just threw them out and we ordered Indian food. <laughs> That's but the usually one time we we've just ever eat done our that. mistakes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, all right. So we've talked a lot about the good stuff, which makes sense because we're all in a room together looking at our beloved spouses. <laughs> but I think it's important to talk about like the more challenging aspects, and I'll go first. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, one thing that... Um, gets like sort of thrown around in the culture is that when women and men move in together, women gain weight and men lose weight. Or another way of saying that is women's habits get worse and men's habits get better. Um, I don't think that's necessarily true, but I do think there are some things um, that being with somebody for a long time can change about your habits or can make harder with habits. So for example, Um, one thing for me is an issue of sharing my time. So we do sometimes exercise together. Like we run together, um, which for Matt basically means walking because his legs are much longer than mine, (laughs) but we do that together. But the rest of my working out in a given week is my time. And so I often have felt like I have to make a choice between spending time with my spouse or exercising. And that is a lot harder than when you're like, 22 and single and living with roommates and like the thing you want most in the world is to be out of the apartment. So you go to the gym because that's a place you can go to not be with your roommates. Um, but when it's like your nice apartment that you've made nice with your spouse and like we could watch TV, um, that's pretty compelling, uh, for me. So that is a challenge. Like figuring out that balance is challenging. It's not bad because the reason it's a challenge is that I, like my husband and want to spend time with you, but it is a challenge. Like, you know, just looking at fitting in that time. Um, so that's one. Um, another one is dealing with, um, my personal ideas and feelings about food and exercise in the context of a relationship with a person who, um, 
has received the cultural message that his job is to like tell me that I'm already perfect, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And for a certain period of our relationship was very discordant for me, um, particularly before I started working with Daphne. I was feeling a lot of stress about my fitness choices and my nutrition choices, just not knowing what to do, feeling like everything was wrong and feeling a lot of stress about that. And then feeling like, A, I couldn't say anything about it to my husband because within the context of our relationship, I'm like a strong feminist who's body confident and all those things. And also that if I did say anything about it, I knew his response would be, you're fine the way you are and like, don't worry about it which is not actually that helpful of a response. Right. Like it's, it's loving, but it's not um, specific. And so um, at a certain point I realized like, this is not a conversation that I can have with my spouse because my spouse's job is a different thing than I need. I need to talk to someone who, whose job isn't to love me unconditionally, but instead who has like expertise in this specific area to talk me through these issues, which really at the end of the day are emotional. Um, and, uh, so that has been challenging too. more at different points in my life, more so or less so. Um, and I realize this sort of sounds like the equivalent of first world problems, like married people problems. My husband is too nice to me, um, but you know, it is stressful. Being in a relationship is about a lot of balancing and negotiating and, um, that's complicated and it takes energy Um, and is not always like, there's never a situation or it's never that, um, everyone wins all the time. Like choices have to be made. And that means making sacrifices, sacrifices I'm often happy to make, but you know, it's a choice. I also think it's a difficult thing for one couple to, or one person in a couple to realize that the other person isn't kind of like a panacea for everything. Like they can't cure everything for you and you have to really take time to identify the things that they can help you with, the things that they can't help you with and be okay with it. I mean, I know, you know, Daphne is the same thing. I tell her she looks great all the time because to me, she does look great all the time, but sometimes she doesn't feel as great as she looks in Mm -hmm. my eyes. So it kind of the same thing with you and Matt going, asking me whether her butt looks big in this kind of a thing. Right. right. The, the traditional like wife husband yeah, conversation. Right. Kind of I've a never silly. said that. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's kind of like. Of course, yeah. It, it's, we're not, we can be perceived as a cure-all for everything, but we're not. And no matter how nice or how negative we can be, it, it's really up to the individual to kind of make those choices to say, you know, I'm going to deal with this with support from my spouse or I'm going to go and either deal with it myself or find another avenue to kind of go down and get the answers that I, I need to get. I mean, I know I haven't really suffered with that, to be totally honest. Because <laughs> Daphne can solve all your problems. Daphne solves all my problems. Yeah. Or they're very much self-inflicted and self-solved. Um, so, yeah, it, it, uh, I'm sure it can be very difficult for you guys. What have you found difficult? I'm actually very interested in in what I found difficult. Yeah. What have you found difficult? Oh, well, I wonder if uh, for you, it's ever difficult to, um, switch between like seeing someone as a client versus seeing them as your spouse, Mm -hmm. because you have very different jobs towards Stuart than you do toward me (laughs) in many ways. But one specifically (laughs) is that I am your client and he's not, he's your husband. 
Um, but it's so much of your life and identity is involved in your, you know. So the great thing about Stuart is, and with my day-to-day life, it's, um, I'm better at it now. And this is something that Joanna, I've totally like talked to you about. Like we talk about how empathetic we are and not to like brag about like, Oh, we're so empathetic. Like we are just such empathetic people. Like we, we relate to everyone, but I think you and I, um, and also you and I meeting in the context of being performers, that was just, it's just something that was very innate with us. And so when I transitioned from the performing arts world into the personal training world, it was definitely very hard for me to not take everyone's problems home with me. And so this was even before I met Stuart, but if training one personal training session and being so exhausted after one session, feeling like I had just performed a three hour musical, like that's what it felt like. But I was like, I have to do this five more times today with five more clients. And since then I have definitely, uh, um, and you know, this was like 10 years ago. And so I'm, I'm, th- I'm 32 now. So now it's been a full decade that I've been in this industry. I definitely have a much better grasp on, um, uh, just being like a really gr- great trainer and counselor and coach. And then I am able to separate my emotional life from that. So it's definitely better. It's still hard though. Like it's still hard to not let people uh, affect me because sometimes their sadness becomes my sadness or sometimes their struggles become my struggles. And, um, at the end of the day, when I get home, I'm still thinking about like, Oh, you know, this person opened up to me and they told me this, or this person shared this with me, or I had a Joanna cried in her session again, (laughs) (laughs) which is good. Like, that's what I want. Like, that's what I'm here for because that's how we make growth. Um, you know, people, people grow mentally, physically, and emotionally when they have a coach who's able to help, um, help see di- things differently or to challenge them or to motivate them to, you know, take it to that next level. So for me, uh, it's, it's definitely better now in the sense that I have actually made very active choices to, or I've made a very active, um, decision with most people, I, I don't even refer to them at the end of the day. So now many times, and I still do a lot of one-on-one private training with my business. It's, it's not the 100, you know, 100% of my business, but it's still a big part of it. So at the end of the day, when Stuart asks how my day was, um, you know, I don't dive into, I always start with like the positive things. And I don't dive into how I'm feeling if it's like an emotional, you know, if this client was struggling with this and, and that, and, and I do keep everything very confidential with my sessions. So what Stuart has been there for me for though, is I come home at the end of the night now completely exhausted for other reasons, because it's been more, um, you know, from a physical standpoint, you know, I've been teaching classes or from a, a mental standpoint, you know, it's been like conference calls and it's been, you know, business, more business related things. So, you know, I've kind of stepped away from, and, and I, I will always be a personal trainer, but it, the past few years, things have focused more into this kind of like business world. And so now what 
Stuart offers is he has this huge like support system. And, and this is something that I actually don't tell a lot of people, but at the end of most nights, like Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, when I am teaching my, my vocal cords are completely done. And like, and I know I've like definitely done some, like <laughs> Stuart's like very happy about this, clearly. <laughs> but like, I've definitely done some, you know, damage, which I have to get checked out. So you guys can hold me accountable to this. Um, uh, so at the end of the day, I've given a hundred percent of myself to everyone else, everyone, whether it's clients, whether it's students, whether it's meetings, I've given not even, it's a million percent of my energy and my voice and my, um, just myself to everyone else. And I get home and I can't even talk anymore. And so Stuart, he gets this wife who comes home, who's on vocal rest Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, pretty much every night now, the past few months, which is something that a lot of people don't know. Like that, that's like what we're going through right now was like me trying to figure out what to do with this like vocal cord situation. So then all of a sudden he has a wife who comes home who is like whispering everything to him. So it's like, you know, I give all this energy to everyone else. And then how do I still give energy to my husband? You know, how do I still give him something, some life in me? And then Stuart is just like such a rock and he, he will cook and he will, make sure I am resting and, um, he knows he, he will know, like, especially on some days, like example, like Super Bowl Sunday, it was just the most, it was just like classes and classes and events and like big events, like high stake events. And I got home at the end of the day and it's like the dips were made, the wings were made. And he just like told me to just like, you know, foam roll and shower and just get into my sweats and like tucked me in a blanket on the couch. And essentially it was just me like eating on the couch <laughs> for like hours Sounds during great. the Super Bowl on vocal rest. And, and just, he was just like, so there for me. So I think for me, from a, from a, you know, support standpoint, that's how Stuart is like my rock when I have to give so much of my energy to, uh, from a physical standpoint mm -hmm. to, to so many other things. I think it's really important when you have a couple that you have to very clearly define when you're a coach and when you're a support system and kind of have the two things very separate. Like when you need to kind of push somebody to get kind of off their bed to go do something or when you just need to sit and listen to all the difficult things that they've gone through in whatever context it is. Uh, and I think the lines get blurred in a fitness and a nutritional sense more than any other area of life. So you constantly see partners or even just friends not judging, but kind of in a sense passing judgment on, oh, so-and-so, you know, you shouldn't eat this or you should go for a run for that or it's really easy to go to the gym X number of times a week or whatever. And I think it's really important, especially as a couple and with your friends as well, to kind of draw a line between the two. Like, oh, I can support you in this sense and, and just listen to the difficult gym session you had or the different difficult day at work. So you can't go to the gym and you just want to eat a frozen pizza and or a quesadilla and be done with it. And <laughs> sometimes that's totally fine. And other times you need that kind of coach mentality to be like, no, mm -hmm. no get off your butt, go do this and you'll feel better or don't eat that and you'll feel better. And it's a really difficult line to 
to draw in between the two. How and do you, when you, how do you, guys when do you that? misdraw it, it can cause a lot of resentment. I mean, mm, I think that absolutely. is a big thing that oh, happens yeah, that was... in couples where there are different ideas about fitness and nutrition is that, um, the conflict between those ideas causes resentment Definitely. Um, that can like build into like a relationship killing thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so I, I definitely have, I mean, I'm not a personal trainer, so it's a little bit different, but I have tried to be really conscious about not instructing you on mm. what to do in terms of fitness or nutrition. Yeah. The decisions we make together, I like, you know, try to influence because I want it to be what, you know, feels good to me. But, you know, even though I tease you about like your egg sandwiches, like I don't tell you what to eat when I'm not home. Right. But then yeah. you can hold each other accountable. If you do make a decision together, mm-hmm. then you can kind of become a little bit more of a coach rather than a support system because you can say like, hey, did you eat an egg sandwich today or did you do something else? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Or did you when we've trained for half marathons before, we, we've had discussions about it and say like, I'm the reason that we leave the house to go for the run. He's the reason we don't stop halfway through. And like both of those things are necessary. Yeah. What were yeah, you going to say think, about all I that? I think that like, right. I mean, like especially the the time thing is definitely a challenge in terms of like, you know, at time that I spend exercising by myself is time that we don't have together. And you know, that's also just an excuse that I use for <laughs> myself. It's like oh, I could go to the gym after work, but then I wouldn't be able to spend time with my lovely wife and cook and stuff, um, which is true, and that would be bad. Uh, but also that's like a nice way to just not go to the gym. Um, but yeah, but I think that, that like, even though, um, even though you're, you're very good about not like crossing that line in a weird way of telling me what to eat or telling me how to exercise, I still think I get a lot of benefit from just the fact of being in a relationship and wanting to like, like, I feel like I'm accountable for myself even if, even if I'm not getting that like pressure from you, it's still like, you know, if you come home and all I ate for dinner was an entire frozen pizza and like, Oh man, that doesn't feel great. <laughs> she's going to ask she's, what I ate for dinner. She's we, we've all been there, by the way. We've all been there. But Every mean, guy has been there. Yeah. Hey, right. Uh, women also eat entire frozen pizzas. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I think the same is true for exercise. Like I think you have really like thought you've been very mindful about how like what your approach to fitness is in the past, you know, 10 years of our lives together. And so that, you know, I just, that, that definitely, while you, you definitely like never have pressured me to make the same decisions. Um, it is like, you know, I look at what I'm doing and if I'm not doing anything, it's like, what? <laughs> it makes me feel lazy. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I think the combination of those two things mean that like when we are training together for a race or something, which we, which we are now and like have, have done a few times before, that's kind of the best time for me because it's the, the combination of like, you know, the time we spend exercising is time we're spending together. So that's an easy decision. Like we, you know, we have Saturday mornings, what should we do? We should go for a run. Cause we got to, we're working towards this thing together. Um, and then also, yeah, like you get me out of the house in the morning. <laughs> um, how many races have you guys run together? Uh, We've run three half marathons Yeah, together. We're approaching like, our fourth right. and then a couple of shorter races. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And Matt, Runs at my pace, which is very nice for me. That's Would you have any, any tips for couples running together? Oh, 
Um, when you get mad on a run, don't just stop and not tell your partner because it comes <laughs> off as extremely passive aggressive. Yeah. We did have to like that's a, it's a fair point that we had to actually like work on that. Um, where like the first time we tried trading together, it was like oh like we didn't I don't think we went into it with a much of a strategy. It was just like oh we were gonna go on progressively longer runs together over the course of months, and it, and we got to the longest runs and we we're like oh this sucks, you know, because <laughs> like, we just have totally. At the time, we had very different approaches. I was like, for me, like at that point, I think this has changed a bit, but it was like stopping or slowing down or whatever in the middle of a run really like took my energy away. Mm -hmm. Like I had to sort of keep that momentum in order to make it the whole 10 mm -hmm. miles or whatever we were doing. Um, whereas for you, I think it was like being able to let yourself like take a slower pace for a little while was what helped was what allowed you to to make it the whole um 10 miles so it's just like totally opposite <laughs> approaches and like we kind of hadn't really thought about the fact that that was could be an issue and so you know we got to the end of the 10 mile run and we're like we hate each other right now <laughs> we're like ready to kill me <laughs> and so yeah i think that yeah like we we've definitely figured out a, a happy medium that that works for both of us and that's part of training together. It is infuriating to me that I work out so much more than Matt does and running <laughs> is easier for him. Like he can just do it easier. Like he My can have not twice as long as yours. That's <laughs> and I know that, but yeah. when we're on the run and I'm like having a rough time and you haven't been for a run in months and you're like, no, 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 I'm fine. It's like, it's annoying, you know? Yeah. And so I think, um, for me, part of what makes it sustainable is for me to like say to you like, hey, just so you know, like this isn't your fault, but it's annoying to me. Mm. <laughs> just like voicing the feeling, and you can be like, yeah, totally. My legs are twice as long as yours. It's not a big deal, right? Or it's not not that it's not a big deal, but like it's not that I'm more fit than you. It's just a like, yeah, just and it's just much easier physics. if you say that instead of like. And the tenth mile, it. I'm like running along and realize you're not there anymore, and look back <laughs> and you're like <laughs> pouting half a mile behind me. Yeah, yeah. I think that applies to a lot of different things in a relationship too, with food and exercise and everything else. Like you have to voice your opinion and tell your partner how you feel about certain things, mm -hmm. and not let it stew, and then meet up at the finish line and be like, "What the heck?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think too. Um, like, uh, you know, it's very cliche to say, like, use I feel statements. But um, I think it really is important in terms of all of this stuff, but also in relationships in general, for one person to be able to say, I feel this feeling. And for the other person's first thing just to be, I hear that. Like, I hear mm -hmm. what you are saying to me. Not like you shouldn't feel that way or here's what we can do about it or any of those things. But just like, I hear that feeling. Because both of those things are hard. It is hard to know what you are feeling and express it. It is also hard to be able to hear someone say what they are feeling and not um, either try to dismiss the feeling or argue with the feeling or um, feel guilty about having created that feeling in some way. Um, but that's, I think, how you bust through the resentment thing is because you're not going to ace it all the time. Like you're going to do stuff to your partner that... <laughs> makes them angry or sad or whatever. Um, but if you can get to a place where one of you can say like, Hey, that thing you did, I felt really angry about. And if the other person can say like, I hear that I'm going to digest that for a second. And then we can like talk about what to do about it. Um, 
I think that's pretty universally like an important skill to develop, but it's hard. It's really hard. And you kind of almost have that internal discussion yourself in fitness and in nutrition multiple times, all the time. Yeah. You know, when you're staring at the ice cream in the freezer and you're like, oh, I really want that. It's totally fine. I'm running 10 miles tomorrow. And you're like, well, no, I shouldn't. But then you eat it anyway. And you're like, well, you have to kind of justify it and make yourself feel okay about it. Mm -hmm. And then make sure you get out of bed and go do that 10 miles tomorrow Mm -hmm. instead of just eating the ice cream and then be like, no, it's okay. (laughs) Totally. What about I think you, that, Coach Daphne? Well, you know, you're talking about all this, um, like, like the boundaries and the relationships and the, I, I think a lot of people wonder what it's like to date a personal trainer yeah. or what it's like, to, what it's like to be married to one. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, um, it's great in the sense that great in the sense that Stuart gets to see like the real me when <laughs> no, no, you guys always get to see the real me, but he gets to see me when I'm not on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in my day to day life, I'm on all the time. So he gets to see me when I'm really not on and he accepts me the way I am when I'm not on. But at the same time, um, you know, when self care is the most important thing in the world to me and I've, I am now in a mindset and I think I have been for a really long time because I figured out at a really early age that you just, you survive life when you take care of yourself. And for me, it was learning to take care of my body. That was what kept me happy. And what kept me happy was, you know, working out and what kept me happy was, um, taking as like the best care of my body as possible. But that made me a better friend. That made me a better student. That made me a better, um, daughter. It made me a better partner. And I still kind of stand by this, that I, I I think self-care is the key to one of the keys to happiness. And for me, just my default settings, like I have to be, I have to be in this kind of cycle of self-care. Some people, some people don't need to do as much as what maybe like you and I need to do. Um, some people might need to do more. Some people might need to do less, but, um, you know, for me, it's like between acupuncture and chiropractic care and the working out and like the smoothies and it's, uh, but all of that balances out with being able to just live a normal, happy, healthy life. And ultimately you do that to, stay happy mentally and emotionally. And for me, I figured out when I was really young that if I could keep myself from being depressed as a teenager, then I would, I would, then I would do this. Mm -hmm. If, if, if running makes me a happy person, then I'm going to keep running in. And this is me at like 16, even if it means, um, you know, like the whole family is at home doing X, Y, Z, even if that means I'm going to pop out for a run. My family got used to that very quickly and, um, you know, luckily they've been super supportive. So circling back to Stuart and I, um, you know, it's been, we've been together about five years now and there were absolutely ups and downs in terms of just self-care for both of our standpoints. So we started off and I think this was when we were first, definitely when Stuart was, I think, trying to like, we were just both still so excited. So we like worked out all the time together. And it was like, we were coaching team challenge together and we'd go to the gym together and we did all these things together. And I'm not quite sure when the flip happened, but I do recall like leading up to the wedding, I was like 
desperate. I was like, just work out. Like, <laughs> why won't you do anything? And then it definitely got to a point where I felt like Stuart was intentionally not working out because I was pushing him so hard. And then I realized I was turning into my mother and, um, (laughs) by like, you know, telling us to do things like go to Chinese school, go to Chinese school, go to Chinese school. And us like skipping out on Chinese school because we were just rebelling against my mom. Um, and then me like realizing that, oh, okay. (laughs) I love my mom, you guys. So she is, she is amazing. Um, but she definitely, you know, has a very strong character, and, um, and I do too. And I think that for me, I felt like I was doing this out of love. Like if you just get your butt out the door and go for a run, you'll be so much happier and I will be happier. And, <laughs> but really you will be happier, but really I will be happier, but just do it. And as a result, I think, you know, when you push too hard automatically, it's just human psychology. And I know this, um, you know, that's when people start to rebel against that. So, you know, leading up to the wedding, like I bought Stuart personal training sessions with a different (laughs) personal trainer. Like that's how, like I spent like thousands of dollars on like, (laughs) like this like golf gym with like personal training sessions. And I was just, I was like desperate and, you know, and it was fun and he, he loved that chapter, but you know, (laughs) it's a quick about face. (laughs) But, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say that. I am always open to learning and changing. And for me, it was also kind of um, very important to see that, you know, when I push him too hard, that it doesn't work for both of us Mm -hmm. at all. And that was actually like a big thing we were dealing with. And I think it was actually maybe leading up to the wedding. Circle back to our our wedding episode. And I feel like in the the episode, I'm like, yeah, easy breezy. Like, (laughs) it's going to be great. I'm not going to do anything crazy. I think I got a little crazy. Like, I think I got a little crazy in the sense that, um, not from like a body perspective, not from like a, oh, I have to lose five pounds. Like definitely not that perspective, but crazy in the sense that I just felt like we had a lot to do. Yeah. And one of the things to do was to just get ourselves healthy. And, um, and, and I did tell you this during our wedding episode too, that I thought that the wedding, like that is symbolic of the start of this next chapter of your lives and you want to start it as happy and healthy as possible. So, you know, leading up to the wedding, I was like, just move your body. Like, just get out of the apartment. And I just like turned into this, like, I think my bridezilla I took out on Stuart for sure. And, um, you know, funnily enough, now that I've completely backed off, Maybe I just don't care anymore. No, I'm just <laughs> the ring's but, um, on, so who cares? You're right, right. There you She's go. She's locked it down. But, um, yeah. but uh, you know, now there's there's no longer looming pressure. And that, that and I just learned that from a relationship standpoint, this was not the best way for me to approach um, handling Stuart's self-care. I, can, I cannot control Stuart's self-care. That's not my responsibility. That's his responsibility. So the second I laid off of it, you know, fast forward now, and Stuart, you know, he loves, you know, complete body gym and he's like lifting and he's all excited about these workouts. He finds out from, you know, men's fitness magazine and notice how they're not my workouts, but he'll <laughs> listen to like, he is dating a personal, no, he's married to a personal trainer, but he still gets his workouts from, but I think that just goes to show how far removed, like the, um, uh, my work is from Stuart. Like I don't plan his workouts. I don't, uh, 
Uh, I don't think I ever really did plan your workouts. I don't want homework from you. No, no. <laughs> well, that's, I think, it, yeah. that is a really good way to describe it, is mm-hmm. that when it feels like you're getting homework from your spouse, mm-hmm. regardless of what it is, whether it's like, you know, here's a to-do list or like, you know, we need to work on this thing, it feels bad. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. think, you know, going going back to when Daphne and I met and how opposite we were when we when we did meet that our defaults are very, very different from each other's. Like Daphne will default to running or working out to make herself feel good. I'll default into a book or a TV show or yeah. going to play golf, something like that. So when stress comes along and you kind of, your unconscious mind takes over and you just go straight to your defaults, mm-hmm. we are very opposite with that. And that can cause a lot of stress with people, you know, because my default is much more on the, more normal person trying to be more awesome side <laughs> mm-hmm. rather than the trying to do one extra kettlebell yeah. to you know, swing to make sure I fit in a dress. You know, mm-hmm. I, I fit in every dress I've ever tried on. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's, and it's, it's definitely very different and that's something that you have to kind of understand about each other in times of stress because when things show up most, you know, when you have those cravings or when you have kind of those moments of high stress you'll run to your defaults whether you know it or not mm-hmm. and I think when we were getting married on the run up to us getting married we both did that very very much so and you didn't really you don't really realize it at the time until mm-hmm. you kind of get past that moment and you're like oh yeah I hated the idea of working out like the only reason I went to that gym was because I could hit golf balls for 20 minutes before and after <laughs> I worked out and like <laughs> you know my trainer there was fine like he was mm-hmm. great but that's not the reason that I, I wanted to go and work out I kind of went straight back to my default of being a 16 year old chubby kid being like oh I don't need to eat or work out or do anything I just need to lose a little bit of weight when I really didn't need to do that at all I would have been much better served you know trying to squat more than (laughs) I would have been you know skipping a meal or something like that and like kind of the balance gets thrown off and and goes back to kind of the default you were as a kid same thing I think with with Daphne and pretty and and you guys I'm sure Mm -hmm. when the stress really comes into your relationship you kind of retreat back into what you know and feel comfortable with and a lot of times that can be kind of opposite to what the other person really deems healthy Mm -hmm. right you know and like I don't want to work out four hours a day or three hours a day I don't want to run five times a week well no one should be doing that on a a default level you know Mm -hmm. but if I'm healthy and things are going fine then yeah sure that's totally fine. So yeah. what's the switch now? So why is it that now you love your workouts at Complete Body? Is it because I didn't tell him to do that? <laughs> no, no, no. Because I had no control over it. Um, I think it's because I have my own goals behind it. Yes, and kind of that's like what I, it is, yeah. You know, and I want to do x whatever x is because i just have this weird kind of obsession with it not Mm -hmm. not quite obsession but desire to be able to do whatever x is and i don't think that comes from your partner telling you to do something or society telling you to do something Mm -hmm. or whatever it is i think it just comes you know it's a light switch that kind of goes on whenever it goes on 
And for me, it seems to have gone. It was our gone our, on. our honeymoon was a big wake up call too. Well, yeah, we went for a hike um, in Peru up to Machu Picchu, and the hike kicked my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Not wanting to get a bleep, but uh, 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 it really it really kicked my butt. So I was like, wow, I kind of need to. I want to be in better shape for my self and for my significant other like life is easier if i do x and daphne's kind of i think different from a lot of uh girls in the sense that you know i can spend three hours at a gym from 7 to 10 p.m and she is ecstatic that i was there you know? <laughs> but if i spend three hours from 7 to 10 p.m at a bar she is not ecstatic um, weird yeah <laughs> So I think it, it's priorities, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have different priorities from each other uh, and they overlap in some areas and they don't overlap in others. And, you know, that's something I think you need to outline, especially when you're getting married. Um, but when you are kind of designing your own life and how you want to pursue different things yourself, like, you know, where are your priorities and, and, you know, do you want to spend an hour cooking or do you want to go to the gym and work out for an hour and then order a salad? Like kind of how, how, how do things fall for, for you guys? It's attractive to see your partner taking care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's probably biological. Like it it completely is, you know, that's caveman. Yeah. And, and like self care is called self care for a reason. Like it has to be it has to come from yourself mm-hmm. or it's, or it doesn't work the same way. Like the reason it feels good and healthy, um, to like make your own decisions about how to take care of yourself is because you're making the decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I feel that for myself and I think I recognize it in you too. Like the, it's, I'm, I'm always like, I'm, I love that we can do some of that stuff together. We can cook together and we can, you know, train for stuff together and exercise together sometimes. But I also recognize that like you doing yoga by yourself or you doing a workout by yourself gives you something, gives you like a lot of value in part because it's a decision you've made for yourself that it's not like, it's not something we're doing or that, you know, I'm pressuring you into doing or, or whatever. Um, and like, I don't think there's a way, like I'm, I'm not eager to sort of like insert myself into that. Um, partially because I'm lazy and then there would be doing more workouts. <laughs> um, We're on the same page. Man. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, like I, I think, you know, I think we've gotten better over time about like recognizing what we, what we need for ourselves and, and just, and doing those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, for me, it's just sitting on the couch and reading a book and eating an entire cheese pizza. <laughs> I think it's really it's it's really difficult for couples and for people in general to talk and explore kind of what they want in within themselves and not feel selfish. Yeah. You know, yeah. And not be like, oh, you know, I know I'm part of a couple and I'm a boyfriend or a husband or a girlfriend or a wife or whatever, and you know that's great, but I'm also going to do these other things. I think it's really important to kind of recognize that I want to be both of those things, and this is just how I become kind of my best version of myself or what I want to do, whether I want to be more awesome or do more mm-hmm. swings of things or, you know, spend three hours cooking or whatever it is that makes you feel the best version of you. You need to kind of almost be a little bit selfish about that. And that's a really hard thing to do in a relationship, especially 
and especially in a relationship when you're in your 20s you know because you kind of it, it's very easy to pander to the audience sort of thing and, mm-hmm. you know be with your friends and go out and do you know drink whiskey at a bar for four hours and then go and eat pizza at two o'clock in the morning especially in new york you know in wisconsin i don't know or minnesota <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> it's beer in wisconsin yeah, but that's right. it's the same, same thing yeah, yeah. Um, i love carbs <laughs> well this has been a really uh, generous conversation you guys um thanks for being willing to do this and treating it so sincerely <laughs> i appreciate it. we both have very sincere husbands we do we are so lucky mm-hmm. and they're so cute too yeah, they are adorable we'll if only we could see how cute we were on this <laughs> audio podcast <laughs> we'll post a picture yeah. Um, well, before we go, um, I always ask guests if there's somewhere people should look for you on the internet. Since you're here in the capacity of being our husbands, I don't know if that's as much of a thing, but if you want to like drop your Twitter handle or whatever, you're <laughs> welcome to. Um, yeah, I think you can, you can find me at matthewhealy.net. I'm trying to do more writing and that appears there. So that's a good incentive for me. There you go. Is your Twitter handle still lanky but macho? It is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Find me on Twitter too. Lanky but macho. I, w- I, I wish I had the Twitter handle used to be chubby and still British. <laughs> it's a pretty long Twitter handle. <laughs> it is. There's nobody stumbling upon that. Yeah. I think that's a very uh, specific handle. But no, I, I don't really have. No. How many things? Just... I, I would like to write more online as well, but I'm starting from zero, so. Well, well, you, can, you can plug your business. Business4pointsadvisors.com. There you go. And Stuart hasn't posted anything on Instagram in months. <laughs> Daphne lets me know all the time that I have not posted a photo <laughs> of, so of a wedding or this? of her. That was our first, our first argument post-wedding was probably like yesterday. Stupidest argument. I tagged Stuart in a post because I was like, oh, I made you, because I've been making him smoothies every morning because mm-hmm. I said that in my vows and that I was already doing that. And I still do that. It's like Stuart takes care of dinner. I do the breakfast. And I was like... I tagged him in the post being like, oh, his and her smoothies. And then I tagged him and then I like looked at his page and I was like, oh my God, the last thing you posted was like six months ago and it's a beef at a restaurant. <laughs> and then I said, oh, I'm going to the gym. And she said, whatever. That's totally fine. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming to chat with us, husbands. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shawflam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on iTunes, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Just One More Pod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Just One More Podcast, or you can email us at info at justonemorepodcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Do you guys want to say bye? Bye. Bye.